Hey, welcome, Blackhawk Church. Hey, uh, great, uh, great to see you. And those of you who are part of our Blackhawk Chinese ministry, Dijong uh, Zimei, Ping An. So good to, uh, good to see every. Whoa, just good to see everybody. And uh, thanks for uh, tuning in. Say, hey, hey, so shout out to uh, some friends in Singapore and New Zealand and uh, Australia and some friends in Israel and other people uh, around the world that are watching. So hey, uh, shout out to you guys. So. Awesome, good to see you. So, hey, what do you think of this? Hey, balance beam. And, you know, many of you know that 43 years ago, you know, I used to be uh, a, a gymnast, but uh, balance beam wasn't part of men's gymnastics. It's a women's, uh, women's event, and I'm, I'm just not, I don't have a skill set for this. But I know that there are, whoa, young women in our church uh, that do uh, gymnastics. And next time we have in-person ser- services, if you guys, if you guys, when you come, come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Chris, I'm a gymnast, once a gymnast, always a gymnast, and I'd uh, love to get to know who you are. So, uh, you know, when women do gymnastics uh, in, in the Olympics, uh, the uh, regulation height is four feet. It's four inches wide, and it's four feet up in the air. And, man, I thought about bringing one of those. <laughs> I would kill myself. So, whoa. Oh, okay, stop, 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 stop. Okay. Hey, you want to see a trick? Here we go. Okay. Little balance, little bounce move right here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a second. I got to hold it. Okay, just a second. Woo, 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 woo. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> okay, do another one. Okay. How you, see a handstand? Want to see a handstand? Okay, watch this. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I'm not doing a handstand. You think I'm crazy? <laughs> no way, man. I'd like die up here. No way. I'm going to be 65 three days from now. I'm just happy to be able to walk on uh, this thing. I'll tell you. Here we go. All right. So some of you are, are going, wow. Like, what is, what's he doing up on a balance beam? Well, part of the reason I'm up here is because I'm trying to demonstrate the fact that this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. And it doesn't matter how good you are. Uh, you can fall off uh, a balance beam. It's pretty easy to fall off a balance beam because there's an invisible force that's always working against you. It's called gravity. Even the best gymnasts in the world fall off a balance beam. Here's the best gymnast in the world right here. Here's Simone, and she's catching her balance right there. So I don't think she actually fell off, though. But she has fallen off many times. But at any rate, when she falls off, it's because she's doing some trick uh, like this, like an aerial backflip with her legs split like that. So that's what cuts. You want to see me do that? <laughs> I can't do that kind of thing. No way. So there you go. It's hard. It's hard to stay off here because there's always and there's an invisible force <laughs> that's constantly working against the gymnast as you try to be on the balance beam. Okay, some of you are wondering, what? Stop laughing, people that are in the room. There's like 10 people in the room right now. Okay. All right. Some of you are wondering, like, why? Why do I have a bounce beam uh, up here? Well, in this message, this beam represents that <laughs> I'm breathing hard. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In this message, the beam represents the truth claims of the core message of Christianity. The core message of Christianity is the gospel. And the beam, which is actually made of oak, and it's very solid, 
represents the solid truth claims of the gospel. The first solid truth claim of the good news, the gospel, is that God loves us. The God of the universe, the God that created all things, he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And that's a solid truth claim. Everything else follows uh, from that. The second truth claim that the beam represents is God's grace. God's grace means that there is nothing we can do to cause God to love us less. And there's nothing we can do to cause God to love us more. His love is not based upon what we do. His love is based upon his grace. It's not meritorious. We, we, there's nothing we can do to deserve God's love. It's, that's his grace. Another truth claim of the gospel is that uh, I'm a mess. I'm a sinful person. My heart is desperately uh, wicked and and i am my heart is like a, a bent stick and it's not needing of reformation i need a new a new life completely i'm a mess i've said things that i shouldn't have said i've done things i shouldn't have done and the same with all of us all human beings are sinful and that causes a a barrier between us and god but god solved that barrier by sending his son jesus to die on a cross for us. So that's another truth claim of the gospel, is that Jesus and the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of our sins. He uh, took upon himself our sins, and he took the punishment that we deserve. There's no gospel apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. And when he died on that cross, he paid it all, paid it all. And because he was God, he rose from uh, the dead, demonstrating he's more powerful to sin, death, and Satan. The last truth claim of the gospel is that I begin a relationship with God by faith, by faith. By just like I'm trusting this piece of oak right now, by faith, by trusting in what God has done for me in Jesus Christ on the cross. That's how I begin. Not by doing, not by me doing anything, but it's by faith in Jesus Christ. So here's a summary of all of the solid points of uh, the truth claims of the gospel. It's about God's love, God's grace, my sin, Jesus and the cross, and faith. Now, okay, so that's solid. Walking, my walking on this beam is applying those truth claims to my life. There's a vast amount of implications of the gospel. The gospel has huge implications for my life. For example, if I, if I start to feel like the value that I have as a human being, my ultimate identity comes from what I do and who I am, I fall, I fall off of the beam because I should get my identity from the fact that the God of the universe loves me. I mean, good golly. If I start to believe that because I do good things and I care for people who don't have anything and I'm really 
interested in what's going on in the world today and I want to do something about it, if I think that God loves me because of that, I've fallen off the beam. The implications of the gospel is that there's God loves me not because of anything that I do, no matter if I do good things or not. That's not why he loves me. He loves me because of his grace. If I am more concerned about what other people think of me <laughs> than what God thinks of me, I fall off the beam. I fall off the beam because the most important thing is what God thinks of me. The gospel is solid, but my living my life according to the truth claims of the gospel means I have to be lined up with this all the time. And there are huge forces against me all the time, like anti-grace forces and forces about like, oh, God loves you because you're just a great person. That's, those are forces, and they're invisible, and they cause me to fall out of line with the gospel. How you guys doing? You guys get this? Let me ask you a question. I'm your pastor, okay? So I've been a pastor for 37 years now. I got a bunch of seminary degrees. Do you think I could ever fall off, fall out of line with the gospel? The answer is yes, absolutely I could, totally. Why? Simone Biles falls off this thing. It doesn't matter who you are. It's hard to walk and get all of the implications of the gospel right all the time in our life. Very, very, very difficult. In fact, I would say the history of the church is a history of people falling off uh, the beam, uh, actually. Yeah, I can fall off. I fall off a lot. I start to think what other people think is more important than what God thinks. I do that all the time. Let me ask you another question. Do you think if you actually had Jesus as a mentor, if, if Jesus was your guide, if Jesus was your friend, if you were with, do you think if you lived and ate and was, you were with Jesus all the time, you think you could fall off the gospel then? The answer is yes, absolutely. And that's what we're going to look at today because the apostle Peter, who knew Jesus just about better than anybody else, he absolutely fell off the beam. That's what we're going to talk about today. Take your Bibles and turn to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians uh, chapter 1. Let me remind us of what we've been covering uh, in this series. We're going uh, through the book of Galatians, and we are calling uh, this series uh, Galatians, the letter that saved uh, the church. And last week, uh, Pastor Charles introduced the entire book, and as you heard uh, from Chris earlier and then also from uh, Tiffany, uh, we have started this webinar on Monday night, so we're encouraging people to dig in, and hundreds of people joined Charles on uh, Monday night and just listen to him kind of talk more about it. So if you like Bible study, Monday nights, that's, man, that is it. Uh, so go there and listen to Charles' uh, talk. Let me tell you a little bit about what he said last week. There are some major players uh, in the early church that didn't always agree with each other. Here are the major players. 
They are James, who's actually the brother of uh, Jesus. He was the head of the kind of the mother church in Jerusalem. And then there was Peter, and he was uh, one of the 12 disciples. And, you know, he walked and talked with Jesus, was mentored personally uh, by Jesus. He was an ultimate insider. And then there's this guy, Paul, who wrote the letter to the Galatians. And he's like the ultimate outsider. James is like his, Jesus' brother. This guy ran around with Jesus, you know, in all those years. And this guy, he never really met Jesus uh, before Jesus died on the cross. He, he really had nothing to do with Jesus. Actually, uh, after Jesus rose from the dead, Paul went around persecuting uh, people who were followers of Christ, saying that they were completely wrong. They got the Torah wrong. And he was persecuting the ultimate outsider. Here are the major churches uh, back in uh, those days, uh, too. The Church of Jerusalem, James was centered there, and Church of Antioch, Peter was centered. This really became uh, the major center of the sending movement of uh, the church. And then um, at one time, Paul then was sent out by the church at Antioch to the region of Galatia, and you see the region up there. See how far away that is from Jerusalem. And actually, Paul was in this area. And something happened to him. We don't exactly know what. But it was probably something happened to his eyes. And the people in Galatia started taking care of him. And while they were taking care of him, he shared the gospel with them. And the people in Galatia, they're not Jewish people. They're, they're Gentile people. And these people responded to his preaching. And when Paul preached, he preached about the cross of Jesus Christ and made it so clear to them that they needed to place their faith in what Jesus had done for them on the cross that like a whole bunch of them came to faith in Christ. That was evidenced by the fact that the Holy Spirit uh, came upon them and transformed uh, their lives. And then Paul uh, went on to uh, the next place where he could plant another church. In the meantime, some people from Jerusalem probably came in and they said to all the Gentiles, hey, you know, you guys think you're Christians, but you're like, you're not really full Christians yet? Because, you know, Paul didn't quite get it right. You know, he made some mistakes. He probably got the message of the gospel from Jerusalem and he didn't take really good notes. But we're from Jerusalem and we can tell you uh, that in order for you to become a Christian, uh, you have to ethnically become Jewish first. So all of you men out there, you got to be circumcised, okay? So let me stop for a second. Do we all understand what circumcision is, okay? <laughs> so you're telling an adult man to get circumcised? It's like, what, 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 what? Yeah, but Paul never told you about circumcision because he's a people pleaser. You know, he's like progressive, liberal guy. He's not conservative like we are. <laughs> he will not offend anybody. So he didn't tell you about that. But you got to be circumcised. you got to obey all the food laws. you got to obey the Sabbath. Paul didn't get the gospel right. When Paul heard about that, <laughs> he got fired up angry. He's like, what? Let me sit down with some parchment. And he fires off this letter, and he's fired up angry when he writes this letter. And he says basically about those guys that came into, he basically says, you know, anathema, it's a, it's a curse word, basically. Those guys. And then he, he's like, yeah. You think, they think I'm a people pleaser? No way. 
And you know what? I didn't get the message of the gospel from Jerusalem. On that, they're right. I didn't get it from Jerusalem at all. Now, we pick up Galatians chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 11. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. Heck no, I didn't get the gospel from Jerusalem. I got it from Jesus himself. Bam, drop the mic. That's basically what's going on here. No, I got it from Jesus. This is the gospel, and I got it from him. Let's keep reading. Next verse. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father. He's very conservative. But when God who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were the apostles before I was. I went to Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. As you read this, it's kind of like a negative travel log about like what he didn't uh, do. Did you see that? He says, I did not consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem. I know there are apostles. I didn't go talk to those people. I went into the desert. Let's keep, uh, let's keep reading. Then he goes on. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas, Cephas is another word uh, for Peter, and stayed with him 15 days. I, I saw Peter. I just stayed with him for 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God, what I am writing to you is no lie. Let's keep going. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they praised God because of me. I didn't get my message from Jerusalem. I had nothing to do with Judea. Oh, yeah, when I was in Jerusalem, I was there for 15 days. I didn't see anybody there. I got the message from Jesus Christ himself. You know, that's where I got the message of the gospel. Here, let's see where Syria and Cilicia are. Syria and Cilicia are far away from Jerusalem. That's what he's trying to say. Not, not, from, not related to Jerusalem. But then eventually, eventually, years later, I did go to Jerusalem. We pick that up in chapter 2, verse 1. Then after 14 years, man, just think of that. That's a long time. I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and meeting privately with those esteemed as leaders. So that's probably, you know, James and Peter. I presented to them the gospel 
that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Isn't that fantastic? He said, all of us, those esteemed leaders and myself, yeah, we know what the truth of the gospel is. And then these false people came in and then they said, oh, Titus, he's a Gentile, right? He should be circumcised. <laughs> and what does he say? Oh, we debated that for hours and hours and hours. No, no, no. What does he say? He says this. We did not give in to them. Here we go. It's some puppy, puppy. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. We didn't give in to them. We know what the gospel is. All of us do. We didn't give in to them for one moment. He goes on, verse 6. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. And that's a classic line right there, isn't it? Man, people show favoritism. Duh. But God doesn't. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also in work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, John, those esteemed pillars gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Basically, he's saying those people who were leaders, we all agreed on what the gospel was. Peter was going to go to the Jewish people and I was going to go to the Gentiles. And I got the right hand of fellowship from them, the seal of approval. There's only one thing. There's only one thing they wanted me to make sure that I kept doing. And he closes that section with this. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. Why is that important? Because that's what Christ followers do. That's why. <laughs> that's the heart of God. God cares for those people who are suffering from injustice, poverty, and things like that. You're a Christ follower. You share the gospel. You got to make sure you do that too. That's all a part of what Christ followers should be about. And then we see in the next passage this confrontation between Paul and Peter. Let's look at a map. Paul and Peter are in Antioch. And then James is in Jerusalem. And let me ask you a question before we start reading. Do these guys, do they understand the truth claims of the gospel? Do they all understand the truth claims of the gospel? The answer is yes, absolutely. They all agreed about that. That's what that what meeting in Jerusalem is about. Yeah, they totally get it. But that doesn't mean we always walk according to the truth claims of the gospel. This is a huge confrontation, you guys. And Paul is going to write about it. 
to the people in Galatia. Praise God, we have this. Here we go. When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Barnabas is the guy that hangs out with Paul. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas, in front of them all, you're a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? All right, hang on. This is a little complicated here. So what's happening here? Paul calls Peter, the apostle Peter, the ultimate insider, a hypocrite. Why does he call him a hypocrite? (laughs) Because Peter, normally, he like eats things like pork and things like that. But all of a sudden, when these men from James come there, oh, He's not going to eat like that anymore. He's going to eat kosher. So like a high school kid in a cafeteria, he sees these popular people come in the room and he picks up his cafeteria tray and he goes over to another table completely. How would it make you feel if you were sitting at this Gentile table? All of a sudden, Peter goes over there like what? And eating was a big deal, you guys. Remember the Lord's Supper was a meal that they would have around tables. How you, can you imagine having the Lord's Supper? And then all of a sudden we say, oh, certain people go over there. Now certain people go over there. Oh, my gosh. This is like hypocrisy. And Peter knows better. In the book of Acts, in Acts 10, we see this thing where this revelation that God, like, sends this vision of this sheet down. And on this sheet is, like, all kinds of different animals that they were not supposed to eat in the Old Testament. And God says to Peter, get up, kill, and eat. And Peter says to God, no way. Can you imagine? It's just funny. That's just funny. God says, yes, eat. It's a new testament. It's a new day. And Peter realized that. Acts 10, we read this. And Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is. Oh, there's that phrase again. Isn't that phrase? There it is. God does not show favoritism but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. The Jewish people from James were basically saying, in order for you to really be a Christian, you gotta become Jewish first. You gotta eat kosher. You gotta be circumcised. You gotta obey the Sabbath laws. And that is not true. That's adding to the gospel. You become a follower of Christ because God's love, his grace, understanding that you're a sinner and you place your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross. That's how you become a believer. It has nothing to do with circumcision, nothing to do with anything else. Peter should have known better. Why did... Why did Peter, why did he become a hypocrite? Why did he change? 
You see what the text says? Look at verse 12. For be four certain men came from James. He used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself because he was afraid. Peter! <laughs> he was afraid of what other people were going to say. Pressure's powerful. And what was it that Peter was doing that caused Paul to react the way he did? Did you see that? Paul writes, when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all. Everybody look up here. Here's the gospel, and Paul sees Peter falling off, and he says, when I saw that, acting in line with truth of the gospel is a Greek word called this, orthopodeo, orthopodeo. Ortho means straight. When you take your kids to a, a dentist to have their teeth straightened, you go to the orthodontist. Podeo means feet. You go to the podiatrist for help with your feet. And he saw, does Peter understand the gospel? Absolutely. Is Peter a believer? Absolutely. But there's all kinds of implications to this. All kinds. And when you tell someone that they have to do something else in order to become a follower of Christ, you're not acting in line with the truth of the gospel. Anybody figure out why I'm using a balance beam today? Orthopedal. All right, how does this relate to our lives? Well, Peter's sin was the sin of tribalism. The sin of tribalism. That is, really, if you're gonna be made right with God, you have to be Jewish first. And obey these Jewish laws. That's tribalistic. No, 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 no. It would be like uh, us saying something like this. You have to blank in order to be made right with God. And just fill in the blank. You have to have a certain amount of education to be made right with God. You have to, you have to come from a certain country to be made right with God. Uh, you have to vote a certain way in order to be made right with God. You just, just, just fill in the blank, you guys. Whenever you add, <laughs> whenever you make that not <laughs> the cross of Jesus Christ, you fall, you've fallen off. You've fallen off. Lessons for our life. First lesson is this. Don't add to the gospel. Don't add to the gospel. I'm telling you guys, we could do a history course right here. The history of the Christian church is the history of people adding to the gospel. Adding to the gospel. Don't add to the gospel. The gospel is about God's love, it's about his grace, it's about our sin, it's about the fact that only Jesus could pay for our sins, only he can pay for our sins, and we need to place our faith in what he's done for us on the cross. Don't add to that. Second lesson for our life is this, the Messiah's family is a multi-ethnic family, you guys, it's multi-ethnic. It's like 
It's always intended to be multi-ethnic. We're going to talk about this more when I do uh, Galatians 3 uh, in a couple weeks from now. The gospel was always proclaimed from Abraham. It, it was always intended always intended to be for the whole world. It's not just for this tribe or this tribe or this tribe. It's for everybody. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. And oh, you guys, the history of the Christian church has not believed that. The history of the Christian church is like, it's just for my ethnic group. It's just for my ethnic group. It's just for me. And that's just awful. It's for all people. When you hear us talk about multi-ethnic church, we're talking about an implication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the implication of the gospel. Last lesson for our life is peer pressure. Man, it's powerful. The apostle Peter, who preached the message at Pentecost where the church was formed, he's afraid of people from James coming. Oh, my gosh. We know how peer pressure works in our lives. It's why we, it's like when we're at work, we laugh at things at work that we would never laugh at in our life group. We behave one way around one group of people, and we behave another way around another group because it's all about peer pressure. Very, very powerful. And there are, there are pressures that are invisible to us all the time that are f causing us to fall out of line with the truth of the gospel. What's the most important thing about me is, is where I'm from or how I feel about myself. That's, that we, just walked, we just fell off. We're not walking in line with the truth of the gospel. When you watch a gymnastics meet, uh, if you watch very long, some gymnast is going to fall off. And when a gymnast falls off the beam, it doesn't mean they're not a gymnast anymore. <laughs> it means they're a gymnast. It's all a part of the sport. And you're going to watch that gymnast get up back on the beam as fast as they possibly can. Boom, right back up. When we don't walk in line with the truth of the gospel, it doesn't mean all of a sudden we're not a Christian. It means we're a believer. We have just, we've just fallen out of line with what we know to be the truth of the gospel. Peter fell off. And if Peter can fall off, <laughs> yeah, we all can fall off. What happened to Peter? Well, he got right back up. Now, the next verses don't exactly say that uh, because Paul's writing a letter to the Galatians and the next verses after that, he kind of goes into a theological explanation of what the gospel is about and Pastor Charles will cover that next week. It's a very important message. We know that he got back up because, well, he writes a couple of books that are in your New Testament, First and Second Peter, and we, he gets the gospel completely. He just was influenced by peer pressure and he was afraid of what other people might say. So he, he fell out of line. But he knew the truth of the gospel. That even though he was a sinful man, God loved him. And God loved him so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for him. And the only way he can have a relationship with God is because of God's grace not because he deserves it. And he placed his faith in Christ.
Do you know the truth of the gospel? Have you placed your faith in Christ? Let's pray. Father, I pray for the people uh, that are watching right now. I pray, Father, that you would help us to uh, just remember the truth claims of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that you would help us in our mind's eye to see the cross and to, and to remember that Jesus lived a life that none of us could possibly live, and he died a death we all deserve to die. But because you love us, you sent him to die on that cross and to absorb all the bad things that we have done. And we, we have messed up. Our, our sins are high. I pray, Father, that you would help people that are watching me right now to come to faith in Jesus Christ for the very first time. That it's about your love for us. It's about your grace. Not because we're, we deserve it. And when Jesus died on that cross, he paid for all of our sins so that our sins, though they might just be just ugly and a mess, it's like you just like delete. You just like wipe them all away and our, and our life becomes as like clean like the snow in our front yard. It just becomes just whiter than snow because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. I pray, Father, right now that someone who's listening to me will place their faith in Christ and Him alone for the very first time. And Father, for those of us who know the gospel, we, boy, the implications of the gospel are so huge and we don't walk according to the truth of the gospel. Many times we fall off. We pray, Father, you'd forgive us and help us to get right back on top and to walk in line with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. For the sake of his reputation, all God's people said.